Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Fred Lowry, illuminating God's Word for today's world. The choice, the Word of God, or the world. The choice, Christ, or culture for us. We can choose Christ. on intimacy. I told you about the woman who wrote in from Louisiana to Ann Landers and wanted somebody to take her husband off her hands. And Ann wrote her back and said, I've got 12,000 other women who want to dump their husbands. And so let me just give you the follow-up to that. St. Petersburg, Florida. Louisiana has a good many soul sisters. My husband had every fault she mentioned plus a few more. He died last June, and God forgive me, I sang to myself all the way home from the cemetery. (laughs) That's bad, isn't it? Back in the middle, this is from Columbus, Georgia, back in the mid-70s when so many men were dumping their wives, I kept praying somebody would run off with my husband. I tried dressing him up and sending him to places where lonely people gathered. An hour later, he'd be back. Then this is from Oakland, California. Louisiana was singing my song. I showed that column to my ex-husband when he dropped by, and as usual, he went into a state of total denial. Nothing is ever his fault. Praise God, I left him a year ago. Single parenting is hard, but it beats living with a man who is never wrong, who talks all the time and makes you feel like nothing. Tampa, Florida. I'll go Louisiana one better. She offered to give her husband away. I'll pay $1,000 to any woman who'll take mine. (laughs) Well, you see the problem out there. I noticed the talk show topics, every one of them this past week, had to do with intimacy, the problems with intimate relationships. Emotional isolation is a terminal virus that is destroying meaningful relationships, and it's happening everywhere. You can share a house, you can share a sofa, a TV, a bedroom, a bathroom, even the same bed, and not know intimacy. You can be emotional starved even in that close relationship. I doubt that there's anybody here this morning who has not been touched in some way by a lack of intimacy in some kind of relationship. The divorce problem, which is touching so many of our homes. Even as I speak this morning, my wife is traveling to Mississippi, where tomorrow she will be in court with her parents who are divorcing after 40-something years of marriage. Devastating. And so we, the need for understanding that the main cause in marriage failure is intimacy, lack of intimacy. The main reason for extramarital affairs is lack of intimacy. We need to understand that. The Bible gives three distinct purposes for marriage. Continuation of the race, companionship, and completion. And then God gives us a way for that to be realized, that purpose to be realized. And God's plan is leave, cleave, and become one flesh that we are to leave our parents and other relationships and that this relationship become primary and that we are to cleave together to stick like glue to be a permanent bonding that is not severed by anything but death and that two people become one flesh and then God says the reward for that 
is intimacy. It's God's gift. That in that relationship that does it God's way, the result, the Bible says, is they are naked without shame. In other words, there is an open transparency in which two people can feel at home and comfortable in the presence of the other, and they can build an intimate relationship that has depth and meaning and brings them the greatest fulfillment and joy that can be found in this life. That's God's reward. There is not anything any greater, any more fulfilling that produces any more joy than to have an intimate relationship with your Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, with your mate, and with your children, your family members, with a close friend. Intimate relationships are the thing that brings the greatest joy and fulfillment into our lives. And yet it's the very thing that most people miss out on. And most people live their lives without ever experiencing a truly intimate relationship with anybody. Intimacy, by definition, is the tender merging of heart, mind, and soul in an atmosphere of safety and trust in such a way that there is open transparency, unconditional love, and genuine acceptance. Now that, my friend, is to be the goal of every relationship. That should be the goal for your marriage, that you can create. And by the way, it's not a given. It is to be created. It's to be worked at. It requires tremendous effort. But you create this emotional environment, this atmosphere where there is that safety and trust, that open transparency, that unconditional love, that genuine acceptance where we can give and receive love, where we can let our feelings be known and we can get to understand each other. Literally, it is the opening of the shutters of one's life in an emotionally safe environment. It's the emotional popping open when we, perhaps for the first time, are honest with another person. And that is a basic need within all of us to find somebody who will listen long enough to understand and who will listen in that environment of safety and trust so that in a non-defensive way, we can be emotionally open and be understood. So when we talk about intimacy, we're talking about emotional closeness. It's almost like two people stepping out of the world and to, into an emotional bubble so that they only hear one another and they only see one another and they only feel one another. And the rest of the world is mysteriously blacked out as these two people literally get into each other's thoughts and feelings and begin to understand one another. In each message, I've used the acrostic close because intimacy is to be emotionally close. And I've given you this every message, and I'll give it in every one of these messages because I want you to get it in your mind, I want you to get it into your heart, and most importantly, I want you to get it into your life. Close. The C stands for commitment. You'll never have intimacy unless you commit yourself to having intimacy, to working for it, to building intimacy into your life and into your marriage. The L stands for listening. You've got to learn to listen and listen with empathy and with understanding. Listen with your ears and with your eyes and with your heart. The O stands for openness and transparency. There is no real intimacy without openness. The S stands for sensitivity, being sensitive to the needs of your mate. Love is meeting the needs of another person without expecting anything in return. 
And then the E stands for empathy, where you try to identify with, with that mate. You try to walk in that mate's shoes. You try to see it from the mate's perspective, not your own perspective, as you reach out to one another. And that, my friend, that emotional closeness requires time. It requires talk. It requires touch. It requires tenacity, where you work at it you stay with it until you build that kind of intimacy. You say, well, what if I don't? What does a lack of intimacy lead to? If you ruin intimacy, what is that going to re- What's the result going to be? Frustration, boredom, emptiness, resentment, rebellion, marriage affairs, extramarital affairs, marriage failure. That's the result of a lack of intimacy. And every time a marriage falls, you can always trace it to the bottom line. Somehow, that intimacy was broken and it was never rebuilt. And ladies and gentlemen, home is one course in life you can't afford to flunk. There is no success outside that can compensate for the failure within your own home. I want you to look at a verse that perhaps you don't realize is in the Bible. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 5. Baptists believe the Bible. We just don't know what it says. And this is one of those verses that perhaps you read over or missed or uh, perhaps you don't spend a lot of time in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 5. And I've got a lot more to tell you this morning than I can tell you in the time frame, so I want you to listen very quickly. I want you to stay alert, and then you can get the tape later and listen to it at your leisure. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 5. When a man has taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war or be charged with any business. He shall be free at home one year and bring happiness to his wife whom he has taken. You see, I've already told you that God's plan for marriage is intimacy. And God gave us a way to fulfill that intimacy. And then it was God's, God so thought that it was important to have time to get that pattern started that he made the rule in the Old Testament that that when you got married, the man was to stay home with his wife for one year and build that intimacy, create that togetherness, began a pattern that would last throughout their marriage. So the man was not to go to war. He was not to go to work. He was to spend one year simply getting to know his wife understanding her, identifying her needs, and then she would understand him in that process, and they would begin to build a pattern of intimacy. Now, that's a great plan. Now, today, kids get married just simply out of lust, and they're always in a hurry, and they don't even want to take time for for counseling. We insist when we uh, have the marriage ceremony here that they come to counseling three or four times, and, and they listen to some tapes, and they don't want to do that. What do you mean, come listen to the tape? What do you mean, take a test? What do you mean... They just want to get married. No wonder they're breaking up to the tune of 50%, half of them. Lee and I got married, and one of the reasons I think that we've never had any major problems is because when we, when we got married, I was traveling, and I was preaching all around the country and in a different town every week, and I was in a different motel every week. And they would put us, you know, in the usually, you know, Baptist churches in the classic Motel 6 out on the outskirts, and in that one tiny room, one tiny room, and, uh, you know, the most excitement in the whole room was to put a quarter in the bed and watch it vibrate. 
and we had to spend all day together in that one room. Now, you talk about getting to know each other in a hurry. We had to get to know each other. We also had to get to like one another. We couldn't make it in that one room. So I think that's what God's getting at right here is that it's so important that he set it up to spend one year just getting to know one another. Then there's a verse over in Isaiah chapter 58, and just let me just give it to you because the time you find it, I will have departed from it. In, in verse 10 of chapter 58, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. Now, what that says in, in the English is that, that if, when you get to know somebody else intimately, then and only then do you get to know yourself. You will never get to know yourself until you know somebody else intimately. It's in the process of knowing somebody else and understanding somebody else that the light comes on, it begins to dawn, it becomes noonday in your life, that the darkness goes away and you begin to understand yourself. So God, who made us, knows that we need that intimate relationship, not only that we can know and understand the other person, but that we can know and understand ourselves. Now, today we're talking about how to ruin intimacy in a marriage. Those things that will act absolutely devastate and destroy intimacy that if you do not deal with and work through, intimacy will not survive, and more than likely, the marriage will not survive. The first thing, restless rage. We're talking about internal anger hidden anger. We're talking about the person who's always churning inside because it usually goes back to his past. Many times it goes back to his parents. But he's angry. Maybe he's angry at God. Maybe he's angry at his father. Maybe he's angry at his mother. But he's angry inside. And he's not happy inside. And so he's always churning. And the least little thing can set him off. He's like a walking time bomb. And, and interestingly... The things that set these people off, usually it's nothing. It's just some little something, but you never know. It's like walking on eggshells. You never know when the guy's going to explode or when the gal's going to explode because they have that internal anger. And all of a sudden, some little something is done or said, and there's the explosion. But my friend, if you are internally angry, you will not ever be able to have an intimate relationship. I mean, somebody trying to be intimate, you like snuggling up to a porcupine. <laughs> if one of us moves, we're in trouble. You can't be intimate with an angry person because you never know what to say, you never know what to do because you never know what's going to trigger that thing. Anger, internal anger, is always destructive in whatever form. And it destroys intimacy. It takes the joy right out of marriage. It prevents closeness and warmth. It interferes with the perception of your, of your wife or your husband because you see them through angry eyes, through resentful eyes, and you have a faulty perception. But not only that, it's the domino effect because if you're angry as a husband in a home, it will affect your children. It'll affect everything in that home. It has the domino effect. It'll affect your friends because it spills over in other relationships. If you're angry, it will affect all of your relationships, that internal anger. You see, the mind has two levels. It has what the psychologists call a conscious and a subconscious. We can think of it as upstairs in the basement. Well, those things that we do not like to deal with 
we have a tendency to want to push them out of our sight. We want to hide them. And we have two ways to get those things out of our minds, out of the upstairs and into the basement. One way is called suppression. Some event has happened in our life, and we're not happy about it, and so we suppress that. We push it into the basement so that we don't have to see it, so that we don't have to deal with it. And so we stuff it into the basement in our subconscious mind. Another way we get things into the basement is through repression. We have some attitude, some emotion, some feeling that presents problems for us or embarrassing to us, and so we push that into the basement. We repress it. So those things that we refuse to deal with, that we don't want to deal with, we push them into the basement, into the subconscious mind, so that we don't have to deal with it, we don't have to see them. But now listen to me, listen closely. And I'll put this in clear, simple English so you can understand. That which we suppress and repress ends up in a mess. You cannot get by with stuffing. We are as sick as our secrets. And if you stuff and stuff and stuff, ultimately there will be a messy explosion. You have to deal with problems, deal with conflicts, deal with anger, deal with resentment. Bring it out, look at it, find out what it is, and deal with it and work through it. Intimate relationships means that you're not, you're not hiding things from yourself. You are dealing with yourself. Deal with whatever happened. Let it be your past and move on from there. One of my, the things I hate the most is the garbage being overfilled. It seems at my house that I am the only one who is conscientious about the garbage. And my girls, all three of them, will, will take that garbage and put it in there until it gets full, but then they'll add about three more pounds. And when I see it, it's just barely hanging on. And I have to take that sack and try to pull it out of that container without spilling all that garbage. And it'll spill, and I'll have to pick it up. And then I'm trying to carry too much garbage in a sack, that plastic thing, that before I get out to the garbage can, it's going to burst at one place or another. The messiest thing's going to spill out, and I'm going to have to pick it up. And I lose my religion <laughs> temporarily. That's how our lives are. You see, it just takes a little effort. It's what I'm trying to teach my family, that, that when you see it start to fill up, deal with it. Say, hey, this needs to be taken care of. And it's not even that heavy because it's not that full yet, and you take care of it. But the longer you wait to deal with garbage, the more explosive, volatile, damaging, messy it is. I wish I could open up your minds and put that in there so you would not forget that. Restless rage. Those things that we stuff and do not deal with, if we're angry, it will destroy intimacy. You've got to bring it out and deal with it. And forgiveness is the way to deal with anger. You've got to forgive your parents or whoever it is you're mad at, and you've got to recognize it, admit it, deal with it, and then go on from there. The second thing is joyless jealousy. And we're talking about a variation of pride. We're talking about the original sin. Jealousy. Jealousy is the response we make when, they, when we're afraid that we're going to lose an object that we want. We feel threatened. 
and, and it grows out of fear, and it also grows fear. The response is suspicionous, it's retaliation, it's manipulation, it's possessiveness, it's accusation. It's like the woman that uh, every time her husband came in, she checked his coat for, you know, for blonde hairs and, and then finally accused him of going out with a bald-headed woman. But jealousy will just jerk the joy out of your marriage, out of any relationship. Where does it come from? Jealousy comes from inferiority and insecurity. When somebody feels inferior, inferior and insecure, that's when they're jealous. And here are the feelings that produce it. When somebody feels that they have little to give and everybody else has more to give, then they're jealous. Or if somebody feels that, that there's one area of his life that he cannot control, then he has this fear that he's going to lose control. And so he, he's jealous. Another feeling is that, that when a person feels like he's an extension of the other person, that, that he really can't separate, the man can't separate himself from his wife, and so they have to be together. And any threat to that produces tremendous jealousy. But jealousy causes unhappiness. Suspicion and mistrust destroys intimacy. And let me tell you something. You get, here's, here's what happens. You get in a cycle. When you are jealous, you become grossly unattractive. And your mate backs up. And then you say, aha, my suspicion is confirmed because my mate is backing away from me. The reason your mate is backing away is because you're, you're acting so jealous that that is so unattractive. And so you get caught in a vicious cycle. And sometimes you say, well, you, you know, we just, my wife and I just have a very close relationship and we, we want to be together all the time. Listen to me. Everybody needs personal space. Do you get that? Shake your head this way. Do you get that? About half of you, the rest of you. Uh, glad you could be with us anyway. We need space. Everybody needs space. And when the man has time to do things with the men and the woman has time to do things with the women, that enhances intimacy. That helps it. You say, well, not so. We just, you know, we, we just want to be together all the time. No, one of the two of his lying. She's probably scared not to say that she wants to be with you all the time. The truth is you're driving her crazy. She needs space. He needs some space. Because listen to me. If you, if you have to be together all the time, that's not intimacy, that's addiction. Now listen carefully. Addiction is when you take something in, you have an internal need, and you take something externally in to try to meet that internal need. That's why people take drugs, because they have these internal needs of loneliness and guilt and a thousand other things, and they're taking something in to try to meet that internal need, taking something external in to meet the internal need. But the sad thing is it never works because you have to have more and more drugs. It's the same thing about a man and a wife. If you are addicted to your wife, then you have to have more and more and more of her time until you control her and possess her, and that becomes very, very uncomfortable and no space, and it destroys intimacy. So 
We have to understand that there are times when the, if, if, if each of you represent a circle that those circles overlap. In one, maybe they're just overlapping a little bit at times and then more at other times. And then it seems that at times you're almost, the circles uh, match. But it's a, it's a thing that, that differs. And you're to give each other space. It's very, very important. The third thing is incessant insensitivity. If you want to ruin intimacy, if you want to absolutely destroy it, there is nothing so devastating to intimacy as being insensitive. The quality of a marriage is measured by sensitivity. If you want to know how good your marriage is, ask yourself, how well do I know the needs of my wife, her real needs? Not what you think her needs are. Sometimes there's a huge gap between what we think the needs are of the mate and what the needs really are. How well do I really know the needs of my mate? And how do I give myself to meeting those needs? That's what kind of marriage you've really got. Love is meeting the needs of someone else without expecting anything in return. So how sensitive are you to the needs of your mate? Insensitivity is to refuse to recognize or to respond to the needs of your mate. And my friend, intimacy cannot survive insensitivity. The very thing of intimacy is being sensitive, sensitive to needs. So when you are insensitive, your mate is going to feel frustrated, rejected, used, unloved, helpless, hopeless, and intimacy goes out the door. And I tell you, part of this insensitivity is when you is excessive dependency when you lean on your mate and you drain your mate and you expect your mate to meet all of your expectations which is impossible unrealistic expectations that's being insensitive putting unreal demands on your mate but let me tell you the good news this is so important this thing about being sensitive to the needs the real needs of your mate that if you will unselfishly give yourself to meeting the real needs of your mate, you can move from incompatible to irresistible. <laughs> now that's worth a try. The best thing you can do to improve your marriage is to make your needs known and to understand and find out the needs of your mate. Find out what you're doing that makes you unsensitive, that keeps you from being sensitive to, to the needs of the mate and work at meeting those needs. Fourth thing. Cold communication. We're talking about destroying intimacy. In a survey of 10 areas most damaging in marriage relationships, the number one thing was communication. Communication is the process of sharing yourself in verbal and nonverbal ways so that the other person can understand and accept how you feel. It's not communication if the other person isn't understanding. Communication, true communication, involves understanding and acceptance. It doesn't mean you have to agree. It means that you have to listen well enough that you do understand how this person is feeling and you accept those feelings as being valid. It's validating that person's feelings. Yes, I hear you. Yes, I understand. Yes, I see you enter into that person by, in an empathetic way so that you understand what that person is really feeling and really saying. And you respond to that. Cold communication is not to respond. It's to ignore. It's to keep watching television 
or try to communicate with your wife and watch television at the same time? Or one, one of you talking all the time? Did you know it is impossible to be intimate with anybody who talks all the time? Now, there's a big difference between communication and talking. They are not synonymous. The easiest thing in the world to talk, the hardest thing is to communicate. But if you've got a mate that talks all the time, what's, you say, well, the reason I talk all the time is because my mate didn't ever say anything. Well, they'd, they'd given up. <laughs> and listen to me, men. If you're the kind of man that always has all the ideas and all the opinions, you will never, ever, ever have an intimate marriage. You see, intimacy, the level of intimacy, it begins with facts and information, and then it's the other person's ideas and opinions, and then it's your own ideas and opinions, and then it's what you really feel and think, you as a person. Now, if you're living with somebody that you never get beyond that person's ideas and opinions and never get to your feelings, you will never, ever, ever have intimacy in marriage. And you'll miss out on the greatest thing about marriage, the greatest thing about life. So we've got to learn to have warm communication. We've got to learn that communication is the master key to intimacy. You've got to be able to understand without understanding there is no intimacy. You've got to understand your mate. Communication is not what is said, but what is heard and understood. That's communication. You've got to listen with empathy and be able to understand what your mate is really saying. The most uh, meaningful thing, the, the one activity that the woman enjoys more than any other activity with her husband is meaningful conversation. I can point you to 12 poles and I'll say the, the same thing. Survey after survey. The one thing that means the most to a woman is meaningful conversation, meaningful dialogue. Not discussions where it's just facts and your opinions, but meaningful dialogue where you get to the feeling level where the wife or the husband can say, this is how I feel, and know that will be accepted and understood. So the key is to learn to listen, and the key is to answer feeling with feeling. A lot of times men have a tendency to answer feeling with fact because we're logical. I have to fight that because, you know, Leo will say, I feel a certain way, and I'll say, well, this is why you ought not to feel that way. Zap, 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 this is the way it is. She already feels that way. I can't keep her from feeling that way. And it's all right to have feelings. Feelings are good. That's, that's who you are. But see, what she wants me to do is to answer feeling with feeling. And to say, I can understand how you would feel that way instead of saying, that is ridiculous, inane, preposterous, absurd. Nobody should feel that way. All I'm doing is putting her down, calling her a nobody. And, and then she wants to stuff the feelings inside. So you have to be, to, to get to that intimate level where you can open up and discuss. And let me give you some help with listening. Here's, here are the keys for listening. Reflect. Now this is what I'm hearing from you. Reflect it back to them. And then clarify. Let me make sure now this is, what, this is what I'm hearing and this is what you're saying. And then the third thing is invite. Reflect, clarify, and invite. And invite, you're, you're asking for more. Those three incredibly powerful words. Tell me more. Where have y'all been? What crowd is this this morning? 
Have y'all been here before? Tell me more. I preached a whole sermon on that. I wish y'all could have been here. Tell me more. Magic words. If you want to build communication, if you want to build intimacy, you've got to learn to say, I hear you, I understand. Tell me more. Fifthly, hectic hurriedness. We're talking about crowded calendar. We're talking about full schedules. We're talking about endless commitments. We're talking about unrealistic expectations. In this high-tech, materialistic world, we life in the fast lane, we do not have time for intimacy, and it's destroying our lives. My friend, we cannot afford not to have time for intimacy. Two men going down the freeway, one of them says, hey, aren't we going in the wrong direction? The other said, yeah, but we're making such a good time, I hate to turn around. Well, friend, we may be busy, but we're going in the wrong direction. We're too busy. It's like the man didn't know his wife drank until he came home early one day and found her sober. <laughs> invisible divorce. We can have invisible divorce in that we structure our lives in such a way that there is no time for intimacy. There are men right now listening to me, no doubt that you, you are so busy that you don't have time for intimacy. You have so structured your life that it's impossible. But what I'm telling you is that is invisible divorce and eventually one day you will realize there is nothing to come home to. No intimacy, no relationship. My friend, intimacy requires time. It requires quantity time and quality time, both. It requires things in the ordinary, doing the ordinary things together, not just so special. Some of you men say, well, I tell you what, I don't have but, a, but 10 minutes a week to get my wife, but we make it quality. Baloney. You've got to make time, and you've got to have both the ordinary and the quality, and you never know it's quality until later. Take advantage of those special times, those special moments when it can be quality. And then the sixth thing is frozen fear. Locked doors. You can't get in and your mate, your mate can't get in, you can't get out. Frozen. You've got these walls, these barriers. You'll let nobody in. John Powell says, I'm afraid to tell you who I am because if I tell you who I am and you don't like who I am, that's all that I have. And so we are afraid to let anybody really know us. And many, many marriages are missing out on what marriage and what fulfillment and what joy is all about because you have never, ever been honest. You've never said, I feel frightened about this. I'm not as successful as I, I appear to be, and I'm troubled in this area of my life, and I, I messed up here, and I've got these insecurities here, and this is why I do this, and this is why I do the other thing. You've never, ever been honest with anybody. And you've missed, you're missing out on what life is all about. Because you know what intimacy is? It is the sharing of our fears and our concerns and our frustrations and our hang-ups and our doubts and our insecurities. It's the sharing of the stuff of life. That's intimacy. And then seventhly, divided devotion. Going in different directions. Uh, pursuing different interests. A creeping separateness. And then all of a sudden, somebody comes along and begins to show some interest and meet some needs in the life of your mate. And your mate begins to shift affections, and pretty soon there's an affair. And it all happened because of a lack of intimacy. It bothers me when I hear about the man who hadn't kissed his wife in two years and then shot the first man who did. 
if you don't show your wife affection, meaningful conversation, intimacy, somebody will come along and offer to meet the greatest need in her life, meaningful conversation, intimacy. And your marriage is gone. Every marriage is moving toward isolation or intimacy. When it moves toward isolation, the end result is an affair and divorce. If it moves toward intimacy, the end result is affection and the deepest level of joy and fulfillment. But what I want you to understand in these messages is that there's no such thing as standing still. If you're doing nothing, you're moving toward isolation. Now, if you're having an affair already, my advice, as best I know it from the Bible and from psychology, and from personal experience, stop it. In dealing with counseling with couple after couple after couple, I asked them many times privately, if he had it all to do over, was it worth it? I'm not sure anybody's ever told me it was. So in my own experience of dealing with people from the Bible and from psychology, from what I read, if you're involved in an affair, the best thing you can do is stop it and stay with the original marriage and work to build intimacy. Now, if you're having an affair and your mate knows about it, it will take at least one solid year with the best counseling available to work through that, to process it. It takes time and patience. But it's still the best route to go. Now, let me just add this. There are other ways to have an affair. You may not be having an affair with another person, but you may be having an affair with your career, your job, your business, your hobby, sports. Some of you men are having an affair with baseball right now. And it will consume you and destroy intimacy for the next few months. That's an affair. It's a sin. So it, having an affair is just not with another person. Anytime that intimacy is broken, that's what having an affair really is, breaking that bond of intimacy. And it can be a hobby. It can be a job. It can be materialism, plastic, chasing the things of this world so there's no time for intimacy. Oh, my friend, listen. The way to happiness in this life is to have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Know that your sins are forgiven, that you're loved unconditionally. And then have a mate that you can be in an intimate relationship with who understands you and accepts you just like you are. And that you're working on life together. Having an intimate relationship with your children so there's understanding and acceptance and unconditional love having a close friend that you can be honest with. My friend, if you can have intimate relationships with God and with others, that's the secret to life. That's the secret to happiness. The whole Bible is about separation. Sin is what separates man from God and man from man. Sin is the barrier. But that was dealt with by Jesus Christ on the cross when he died for our sins. 
so that no longer we don't have to hide. We can admit that we're sinners and we can deal with that sin and bring it to Christ and bring it under the blood and let the past be the past and then go on with our lives and building meaningful, intimate relationships. You see, for you to have intimate relationships, you need salvation and you need security. Salvation comes through Jesus Christ, no other way. He handles the sin problem in your life that creates the barriers that stops the intimacy. And the other thing is security. My friend, you have to know that you only need God to make it. In case every other relationship were to fall, you still have God. God becomes your security, who loves you unconditionally with a perfect love. You've done nothing to ever cause Him to love you any less. And you're secure. You don't need God plus anything to make it. With salvation and security, you can build an intimate relationship with your wife, with your husband, with your children, and you can get in on what life is really about. Don't miss out on living. Let's pray. Father, speak to our hearts in this time of invitation about your will for our lives, about your plan concerning intimate relationships. Teach us how to have intimate relationships. Teach us how to listen, how to understand, how to communicate, how to accept one another, how to be transparent and open. We need your help. Help us to want to work at it, to make it possible, to build intimacy. Father, I pray for those looking for a church home. This will be the time they'd come and join this church. I pray for those here today without Jesus Christ. May this be the day of decision in their lives. For it's in Christ's name we pray. We hope you were blessed by our program today. If you would like a copy of today's program, go to www.fredlowry.com where you can find this program and other Christian resources by Dr. Fred Lowry. 